What up, guys? Man, tonight's a special night. We're back at home. We're at Jackson's and Comac, our first live audience. We're about to share this infused meal with everyone. We're sitting down with physician assistant Morgan Smith. She's also a licensed medical cannabis prescriber. The oven's preheated, so let's get going. All right, Morgan, thanks for joining us. Thank a you real for special having me. You got it. Uh, first time with a live audience. Thanks for coming, guys. Yeah, seriously, guys. Thank you for coming. Uh, and we got a birthday in the crew. Happy birthday. First time. I love it. <laughs> so we're mixing things up tonight, obviously, live audience, but uh, we left pen and paper on your tables. We usually do an oven question at the end where we pull a question. The guest has no idea what's coming out at the end. Some are spicy. Some are mild. Most you can ask spicy. whatever you want. Mostly spicy. But if you guys want to rip off paper and, you know, ask a question at the break, we'll throw everything in the oven and that will be we'll choose one. For her to answer at the end. Oh my All God. Right. For everyone to answer at the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So why don't we start just by uh, you telling us, you know, for those who don't know out there, the difference between a physician assistant or PA and a doctor. Okay. Uh, what's the difference? So a physician assistant is a licensed medical provider who is trained and educated um, to treat patients, evaluate patients. Um, and performed um, procedures, di um, review diagnostic imaging, stuff like that. Pretty much everything a doctor can do, they just have to work with a doctor as a supervising physician. Um, obviously, every state varies um, in terms of legislator what supervising means. Um, so for the, I believe for the state of New York, a uh, doctor kind of has to be on site. Um, and really the only limitations for PAs is... Um, you can't perform surgery by yourself. You can't open your own practice, but pretty much everything else. I mean, they could put in the A-line, central lines, first assistant surgery. They can see patients on their own. They can't really own their own practice, but they can run, you know, a practice by themselves without the guidance of a doctor unless the doctor needs them to, but they're pretty, it's pretty liberal here. So I didn't actually know you can get into surgeries like that. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. That's actually really cool. Yeah. I've worked with some really brilliant PAs. You yeah. know, I, I know there's so much bias, especially for, you know, uneducated patients who mm -hmm. think that, you know, I, I need to see a doctor. I need to see a doctor. Yeah. So, you know, my background in the healthcare field, I got to ask you, how many times when you walk in the room, do you hear, oh, are you the nurse? Yeah. Or when are you finishing <laughs> with school? That's like number one, you know? Every PA across the board has heard that question. So right. it's also like limiting as a woman too. And, you know, most doctors are seen as male. Nurses are seen as female. So... It's it's sometimes difficult to break the mold, but you know we're getting there. So we're trying to break the, st exactly. the stigma all around here. That's exactly. it. Cannabis, That's it. PAs. Exactly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, what advice do you have for new PAs or especially females? You know, mm -hmm. who are looking to get that respect or are trying to get mm -hmm. into the healthcare field? Uh, what advice would you give them? Honestly. The best advice I can give is just to do as much. Get as much information as possible. Educate yourself the most that you that you can possibly get because everybody is going to say something to you, whether it be uh, a doctor, a surgeon, someone who has nothing to do with anything that you're doing, an administrator, staff, even a patient can say it. So you have to back it up with your own knowledge and just be an advocate for yourself at all times and have your own back. I mean, 
people, there are people who are going to have your back in any profession, but for you yourself, you know your knowledge, trust your gut, do what you got to do. The patient comes first and you always treat the patient with the utmost, utmost respect and you treat them all the same and give them as much respect as possible and you receive it right back. But nobody owes you anything. You got to earn exactly. it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's the best exactly. way to go about it. So how, how long have you been a PA? Um, almost eight years. I've been doing it since 2015. Yeah. So how many? Eight? Eight. Yep. God almost damn. eight. Yep. It's like somewhat seven and a half now. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So do you, uh, what's the one particular story or experience of the oh patient? He's starting you off early. Yeah, he's starting you off early. One particular. What about one particular today? <laughs> <laughs> you can go with that one particular yeah, today. I mean, I get yelled at all the time. I don't know. Um, I had a patient. So at my office, I do family medicine right now. I used to do, I used to do spine surgery. I worked in urgent care for a little bit. Um, so right now I work, do family medicine and it's, 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 it sounds like it's, gr- it's good. I love it, but it's, you know, it's a lot sometimes. So what I had a patient, we do a lot of um, controlled substances for patients at times and they've been on it for years. And it's kind of something that like I've absorbed and I didn't really want to absorb at all times, but we had a few patients <laughs> where now when I took it over, I was like very strict. I'm like, yeah, everybody's got to leave a urine. Everybody's got to do a drug screen. Everybody's got to do, they have to sign a waiver. You have to come in for your appointments. You have to do this. Like I'm very strict. So we had a patient who I swear he was doing like lines of Coke in the bathroom because like he would just not leave a <laughs> urine. <laughs> And you would hear like, I don't know, rumbling and stuff like that. And then he'd come out like sniffing and stuff. It was a lot. So then we go. And what, was he, what was he there for? Pain medication. And I think like Adderall or something, which I don't know why you need Adderall. He got but, okay. He's got okay. <laughs> but he well, when you're down, you need Adderall. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, I don't know. But, <laughs> I don't know. Right I don't know about that. But, so we ran his urine and it came out positive for like cocaine and it came out positive for fentanyl. So I had to like sit him down, have a conversation. He was like a little dense, which is, you know, whatever. Um, but <laughs> I sat him down. And I'm like, listen, we can't continue to write these medications for you. You need to you know, see other providers, blah, blah, blah. Um, because your urine test is positive for cocaine and fentanyl. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like... How else do I say that? I said, I said, I repeated myself in like a different way. I only way. ordered cocaine. No, that's literally what he said. He goes, uh, I don't do fentanyl. And I'm like, that's what he said. Yeah, he goes, uh, I don't do fentanyl. And I'm like, you're kind of missing the point. Oh Believe it or not, you can't trust your drug dealer. I mean, <laughs> and it was like a lot. I was like, yeah, this is a problem. When, when was this? This is like last year. Oh, I thought this was, was like yesterday. Yeah, to the point where like, week. I was so happy to get rid of this guy, too. I was like, you got to go elsewhere because he was like, come on. I used to work pain management in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, and that was an experience. Dude. Did so, you? Yeah. A liar. When I was at <laughs> Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. So, Bubbles uh, over here. <laughs> um, my last semester at school, it was an internship, and I worked at a pain management practice, and we would get these new patients that would come in. And as soon as we handed them the urine cup, they would go in the bathroom, put the cup down, say they forgot something in the car, and then not come oh, back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had that, too. <laughs> um, we've had, you know, 
same thing. It was uh, interventional, you know, so mm. we did a lot of like trigger point injections, yeah. like alternative, you know, to pain medication. Yeah. And uh, it was really rewarding when it did work and you yeah. did see someone walk out of there, you know, with no pain, mm. pain that they've been dealing with for the last decade sometimes. Yeah. Um, but we did have some crazy patients. One time we had to shut the office down. Some, some guy called and was like, yeah, I'm going to come and shoot all of you. I'm like, Come on. Like, all right, man. I hold, hold, on, hold on with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you ever, like, caught someone, like, faking a drug test? No, but I've had people where I'm like, you need to leave a drug test, or they'll, like, leave and come back. I'm like, that's not how it works. Like, you can't leave and then come back. Like, I'm not, I wasn't born yesterday. Come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was actually working with a kid. We, we had to get drug tested for, uh, for one of the jobs that we were on, and I had no idea about this. He came with me and another guy. We're sitting, in the, we're sitting in the waiting room and he's sitting like proper. Out of nowhere, his whole right leg is just soaked. Leaking. He had a he had a Ziploc bag full of piss <laughs> that opened up and he just ran out to the truck and laid in the back of the truck like no one was going to find him. I, I, was there, like, I was like, first of all, why a, why a Ziploc bag? Yeah. Like, bring a sprinkles jar if you want to do it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Well, they make the fake dicks too, don't yeah, they? Yeah, like on an entourage. But, yeah, <laughs> but like, you, don't even, you don't even need that though because like... You're, you're going into you're going into a place like a that's not even going in with you, right? Yeah, we don't have people going in with them, so I'm like, all right, what's like with the? I'm not trying to tell you how to pass the drug test. I mean, yeah, but... like please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where is your current practice now? So currently, I work in Freeport. Okay. We do family med in Freeport. We also uh, my boss has a other office. They do like holistic medicine, so like the trigger point injections and. Mm -hmm. um they give out the medical marijuana cards as well so okay that's so kind of piggyback off yeah. the medical marijuana cards <laughs> exactly. um you you're licensed to prescribe yeah. uh medical yeah. marijuana certified to prescribe yeah that's um, fucking sick so <laughs> <laughs> what made you want to become a licensed prescriber i mean honestly i didn't really think about it until i started working on my current job because i never really got exposed to it it was kind of on the on the newer end, obviously when marijuana got legalized for recreational and medical use, everything kind of changed. Um, but I started doing the evaluations for the patients to get the certification. So then I kind of was like, all right, let me think about getting it myself because, you know, if my boss is not here or, you know, someone needs it, you know, it's a good way to, you know, keep business going also. Plus, I mean, like as a provider, it's important to know, you know, so I see so many people that you would not expect who test positive for marijuana and that, you know, that's, you know, neither here or there at this point. But it's important to know that if somebody's taking something like that and they have, you know, a medical problem or they come in with a complaint, that you understand, you know, the mechanism of action for the drug and, you know, you could say it can mask certain symptoms of, you know, something they may have okay. or they could have a side effect from it. It's good to, you know, keep that in mind for people. That way you open up your differential and make sure that you're taking everything into consideration when you're treating them, you know? The right. more information, the better. You have any, like, any examples of that? Like where like, you know, pot might've like messed something for somebody or? Like if you have IBS or if you have um, even chronic pain too, it, it decreases inflammation so it can decrease those symptoms where, if a patient's coming in, they're like, oh, well, my pain's not that bad, but, you know, like I'm having a lot of diarrhea or something like that, mm -hmm. or I'm having a lot of, um, you know, watery bowels, whatever. 
and you're, but are you having stomach pain? Are you having this? And they're like, well, not really. It's you don't think about it sometimes. And then you, you have to do a little digging and that's, that's medicine in general, honestly. Yeah. It's like detective work, but you kind of have to <laughs> check them all out. You have to treat the whole patient. You can't treat just, you know, what they come in for. You got to figure out what's going on totally. You know, a patient has cancer or something like that. You don't just treat the cancer, you know, you treat the symptoms that go with the cancer or like mm -hmm. what can happen if they have cancer, they become depressed, they have anxiousness, whatever. Mm -hmm. You got to figure it out completely. That's part of medicine in general. That's part of being a good a good provider in just having a good rapport with your patient too. And it's important, you know, for people to understand, you know, you want to be a good patient yeah, too. You exactly. know, you, you have to be, a, you know, find a provider, you know, mm -hmm. a doctor that you trust, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that you think is providing you good care. And, yeah. and when you go there, you got to be an open book so they can, you know, give you the care that, you know, that you need. Yeah. And that's important too. It's hard. Patients are not very honest sometimes. They think that like you're going to judge them or, you're gonna you know, parents. Yeah, you're going to hold something <laughs> against them. But like, I'm not here for that. I'm here to help you. So the more information I have, the better. Yep. Um, you know, I'm uh, part of me helping you is, you know, you respect me. I respect you. And, you know, I treat you yep. the way I tell patients all the time. Like, if you were my dad, I would do this for you. I would do the same exact thing. If you were my mom, I would do X, Y, and Z for you. If you're my family member, I would do that for you. So yeah, the only it, difference is you, you, you can't smack your patients yeah. when they're being a stupid patient. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I think when you say that them, to them, too, they're like, okay, like, she's trying to help me, you know what I mean? She's not, like, coming for me, you know? She yeah. wants me to get better, prevent something, whatever, so. One time, my dad, uh, he he uh, fainted in the middle of the night. Yeah. He was, like, altered mental status. He was, like, speaking gibberish. And my mom's like, yeah, she called me right away. She's like, yeah, you know, he's... He's feeling better now. I think we're just going to go to sleep. I'm like, uh, nope. no, you're going to go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even know. a clinician. <laughs> I just work in the field. I'm like, yeah. no, that's a bad idea. You yeah. need to go right away. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of people would come out now and tell you, though, like that they're smoking. Yeah. Right? They like, do. It's, it's, yeah. it's a little different. Honestly, people you wouldn't expect. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Honestly, people you would not expect. Thank too. you. Like, we do, we do uh, urine toxi toxicities on our patients for like Adderall, even Xanax, stuff like that. And these people come in. I'm like, you know, like 80 year old guy, yep. you know, he's, you know, you would never expect it. And then he tests positive. I'm like, all right, well, good on you. You know what I mean? If it helps you, it yeah. helps you, you know? I mean, growing, <laughs> up, I, grow, growing up, I would never tell my doctor, but I had one yeah. doctor look at me. She's like, uh, do you smoke? I was like, smoke what? And she just started writing her book. I'm like, fuck, she got me that lady. <laughs> you can tell sometimes. Yeah. Oh, so you're judgy? No, I mean, like, you pick up on cues, you know what I mean? It's like when you tell someone's an alcoholic. <laughs> All right, those wings were too good. We had to get off the air, but, you know, to enjoy those. But uh, we had some garlic parm uh, wings, and uh, the garlic parm sauce was infused. Um, so I'm going to give it up for Franco on this one. <laughs> Thank you. Um, hey, so you just, 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 to, just to piggyback on the, on the medical cannabis, you mm -hmm. know, what... So obviously the field is now medical and recreational. Mm -hmm. So do you do you see any like big differences between between the two? Not really. I've heard I've heard patients say that if you this this is gonna sound kind of bad. I can't I can't wait. <laughs> if you have the certification and you go to the dispensary, it's like not good of a strain. But if you buy it, you know, on your own, it's a little bit better. I don't know. I guess maybe because it's government regulated. I don't know how true that is, but no, right. I mean, the potency tax is humongous right now. Yeah. They're they're charging you 
per milligram. Yeah. Uh, like they're taxing you heavier per milligram. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you want the better bud, you know, Might stick well stick go, yeah. stick to the black market kind of thing. Yeah. But you know, and, and coming from your shoes, you're the one prescribing it. Mm-hmm. So you know, where where exactly is that? You know, where's that coming from? I don't. I guess people are not really inclined to spend more. You know, they want to spend what they're used to spending, what they yep. used to have, what they're comfortable with. Exactly, and they're used to having as much as they used to have. Um, you know, and they're using it more for recreational use. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if there's a big difference. Well, um, who, who was ever really willing to pay more for the same product? Uh, or even yeah. in this case, a product that's not as potent. Yeah. yeah, that goes to the government too. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of. The potency tax is is a really yeah. big problem over here right now. And there's not that many dispensaries. I think there's like one in like Albany. There's two in the city. There's not that many. So like yep. for availability, you know, New York is a huge state. So like if you're not if you're not have access to dispensary, you're not going there. That's for sure. Yeah, you know? I mean, some of my friends go like to Boston for it. I'm like. Yeah. What are you doing taking a four-hour drive for, for flour? Yeah. That you can get anywhere. You can get it, you know. Like literally down the street. You yeah, can get it. exactly. <laughs> but, but like what, what's, what do you think is the biggest like benefit for, from medical cannabis? Um, I mean, it decreases inflammation. It helps with people with sleeping, with anxiety. You know, people feel it's a good alternative to, you know, some, you know, other remedies where people will go down. Obviously, there's an addictive quality. So everything has to be taken in stride. Um, I think it, there's been, there's always everything is nothing is without risk. So everything has benefits to it. I think the the benefits definitely outweigh the risk, the risk on some of this stuff that it's used for. You just have to be mindful, especially when you're a provider or you're, you know, seeking medical marijuana, because if you're over a certain age, everything will affect you differently. If you have different medical problems, things will affect you differently. I think that what it's used for, especially when you get the certification for medical marijuana, People have really good results with it. Right. You know, even like the CBD, stuff like that, they use it in epilepsy. So, I, you know, patients have seen good results kind of across the board on most things. So I, everything has to be done in stride, though. I mean, like if you do an excess of anything, you're going to have problems. So that's, yeah, you know, if you take exactly. an excess of Tylenol, you're going to have the same problem too. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, patients love thinking, you know, again, I'm not a clinician, yeah. but I've worked in the healthcare field before. They love thinking that everything is one size yeah, fits all. it's true. You know, and you as a clinician, yeah. you understand, you know, everyone's metabolism, mm-hmm. their genetics, it can play a role yeah. in how they're affected by different things. Yeah. Um, for example, you know, just for ease of everyone understanding, you know, when you have a patient who's a diabetic mm-hmm. and they come and you're treating them, yeah, how, you know, how much of a curveball that when you're trying to figure out what medication they can take, not only does it interact with their other medications, yeah. but how does it interact with their blood sugar? Yeah, it's you know, true. Patients don't understand that kind of no. stuff. And here's the thing too. I mean, what works for one doesn't work for all. And it's also like a, it's like a guessing game. Sometimes you don't know what's going to work for somebody. You don't know what's not going to work for somebody. If somebody's, you know, blood pressure is well-regulated, but they don't feel well on it, you have to change it. You can't just be like, all right, I don't care. I mean, your blood pressure is fine. If they don't feel good, they can't do certain things that they like to do. If they can't get up in the morning, you know, if they're having fatigue, stuff like that, or they just don't feel well on it and they're not themselves. You have to take that into consideration and you have to listen to them and to change it. Nothing is a cure-all and nothing is, you know, you got to play around with stuff. And that's, you know. It's kind of what they're doing now. Uh, yeah. Right. So you, you said you said the, an addictive, like, quality yeah. to, to marijuana. Yeah. So, like, you know, all my buddies who smoke, mm-hmm. anyone I've ever smoked with, they're like, you can't get addicted to pot. 
like what what would that like addiction be like there's like a 10 percent i think is a is a percentage like physical uh addiction to it which i guess is like it's all you think about and it's like all you want to do and you can't eat without it kind of yeah um it's obviously better than you know yeah, being, alternatives yeah. you know like heroin <laughs> or something like that but i mean you have to consider that if somebody has an addictive nature already if the, you know they're a recovering alcoholic or something like that you have to put that into perspective also because what they could be addicted to in one instance they could be addicted to another and then they they're not listening to you when mm-hmm. you're telling them to do something the right way, they're doing it on their own. And they're like, you know, I, I know better. I know myself. Plus, I have this addictive, you know, nature where that's going to supersede anything, any logic. So Okay. I mean, I'm happy you brought up the alcohol part. Yeah. Because you know, pot's been, you know, on the back burner forever. Mm-hmm. And alcohol has been, illegal, been, been legal for mm-hmm. forever now yeah. at this point. So it's like, you know, obviously you would rather your patient be an everyday smoker mm-hmm. rather than a drinker. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I want them to know. I want everyone to know. <laughs> Say it. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I mean, it has better healing properties than alcohol. Alcohol is like basically poison. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I can see why people enjoy both, and I can see it. But poison. You know, for recreational use. <laughs> <laughs> but I. <laughs> As she as she walks yeah. in with five J mo. Literally. Thank you for that. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. But no, from, so 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 you would rather you know all in all you say I I, I don't want to make you say yes, but I I, I, I kind of want to hear it come from your mouth. I mean, yeah, like uh, alcoholism. Uh, contributes to like end organ failure and a lot of people especially when they're you know everyday drinkers stuff like that it's stuff that you don't realize you know everybody here is like you know you have alcohol affects your liver it affects really every organ um marijuana also affects most organs but you have to you know there's good components where it affects it and there's bad components obviously if you have copd asthma you know stuff like that and you're, you're smoking every day as opposed to like ingesting it other ways there's, there's mm-hmm. risk with it but, well, you can enjoy an infused but meal. But if you're jogging, yeah, exactly. Or you take a suppository or something <laughs> like that, you know, like, and whatever you want. I mean, there's like oil, there's stuff like that. There's even like nasal spray, stuff like that. Yeah, so. there's everything now. Uh, but you, you also brought up, you know, holistic medicine. Mm-hmm. So how does, you know, pot go hand in hand with that? Well, obviously, pot is grown and it's all natural. <laughs> but I mean... In terms of like pain management, it's good with, um, you know, turmeric, stuff like that. It helps decrease inflammation. Everybody's, you know, there's different research on different, you know, type of herbals or different supplements you can take to decrease that. I mean, there's a lot. It's kind of touchy. I mean, because there's herbals are not really or holistic type of medications are not really studied as broadly. I mean, marijuana okay. is definitely studied a lot more than any yeah, of those things. Especially so now. It's hard to get information on them to, you know, hear the facts. You know what I mean? But Well, Big Pharma doesn't really like studying they don't. anything that is made from the earth because they can't yeah. make money off of They can't profit of off of it. Right, exactly. exactly. Yeah. 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 That's a thing. I mean, that's the reality of, you know. Really? Life All right. <laughs> we're, learning, we're learning here tonight. Yeah. I love it. 
<laughs> that's kind of crazy. So, so nothing that's grown, they, they can't capitalize on that. I mean, they, you can't like FDA approve of it, which means that like they test on it, you know, yeah. they put their stamp of approval on it and then they have the ability to profit off of it as well. Okay. I feel like being FDA approved is so, there's so many loopholes now. Like, you know, you could, can you just put like a diet, it's called it's like a dietary supplement and you're like technically FDA approved, like on like on a label? I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I, I did, we, we, we were trying to come up with something the other day. I looked it up. I was like, wait a second. We can go through that. Like, You're starting I, to get outside of her. Yeah, experience. I don't know. That's like completely out of my scope. I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to I don't, mix with, I don't mess with the government. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we talked, I mean, we talked about your crazy, like your craziest patient interaction. But yeah. what about like patient interaction, like, you know, dealing with pop? Mm-hmm. Like in terms of somebody who wants to get it, or like, have, have you ever had like someone come in and like, like a bunch of my buddies are cops and they tell us stories like, like someone eats too many, like too many edibles. I I had a patient one time and he was he got a medical marijuana certification from our office and he actually went into psychosis because he was like, he was definitely like taking a lot of marijuana. Like I think I don't remember how much milligrams or whatever he said, but. He was smoking like around the clock, basically, and he like became he had like altered mental status. He had like and like severe nausea, stuff like that. Jeez. To the point where we went to the emergency room. They couldn't really find a source. They just called it like toxicosis from it. And then he came out to the office for you know uh, hospital discharge, which you know I just check and make sure everything's okay, whatever, go through any changes, whatever. And he's like, okay, so like when can I resume? And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this put you in the hospital I was like maybe give yourself a break because you know you build a tolerance to it they do recommend that if you're on it too that you take at least a six-week break to try to lower your tolerance also and that you know helps with kind of resetting everything too and he was just like okay but like when can I restart and I'm like sir <laughs> relax for a second like you were just in the hospital <laughs> like you weren't there like you were there for like a couple days you weren't there for like five minutes like <laughs> that's a little traumatizing <laughs> i don't know i mean people want to do what they're going to do anyway so you can't yep. really you just say what you got to say and you're like this is what i recommend and you know do what you want with the information but that's it you know you can't tell me you, those crazy yeah. stories when i'm eating an infused meal yeah i'm like i, don't want to <laughs> I mean this guy i think he was like i don't know he's he said something like it was a lot i was like all right maybe tone it back like i don't know, you know? Yeah, like maybe, what are you yeah, even taking this yeah, for yeah, relax for a second we're good yeah. patient stories and like them like wanting to get back into it yeah. this, this is has nothing to do with cannabis yeah. this has to do with sex but, <laughs> so i worked in a call center yeah. and i used to i used to relay <laughs> std results to patients like i'd be the guy that would call and be like hey like you have the clap so like you know when you're letting them know that they have like chlamydia or gonorrhea like you're like okay you know take your medication and you want to abstain for seven days and right away the guys always be like but can i jerk off i'm like <laughs> take, yes take a break <laughs> calm down <laughs> this is what got you in the first place <laughs> oh man i had this one guy he uh he was actually a cop and i was a manager of an urgent care they love you over there too <laughs> <laughs> we don't shut up <laughs> So, <laughs> a little bleep over that one. <laughs> so um, 
he, he comes in asking for the manager. And here I come. Like, I was a new assistant manager at the time. I was, like, nervous every fucking day. And uh, he's like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? So I'm like, yeah, sure. So I bring him back to the exam room. I close the door. I turn around right away. Boom. He flashes his badge. I'm like, what the fuck did I do? I was I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> he's like, listen, I'm a cop. He's like, I got tested here a couple months ago. Goodbye. And I need you to change my results. I'm like, what? I can't, I can't do that. He had herpes. <laughs> okay. That's why he needed those. He's, like, yeah. he's like, listen, I'm a good guy. He's like, you know, I got a wife, I got kids, and I, you know, I don't want to show this result to my girlfriend. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, wait a second. So you got a wife and kids, and you don't want to show this to your girlfriend? I was like, he wanted to make it seem like the girlfriend. He wanted me to change the date on the herpes results, so, a girlfriend so that the girlfriend herpes? thought that she gave him herpes, so she wouldn't bring it up. Yeah. So she wouldn't. Yeah. Crazy. Very, very sneaky, sir. No, that's fucked. <laughs> that's bad. Oh, I mean, so I mean, so obviously, you guys got some crazy stories to do, some crazy stuff. You're like, what made you want to get into this? Medical medicine. Yeah. Um, I don't really know, honestly. When I my cousin's a PA, my sister's a PA. She's okay. Too. Um, but when I was in high school, I thought about it. I was like, I always wanted to be a nurse or something. Where was high school? North North Babylon. North Babylon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to be a nurse, and I remember my aunt being like, "You don't want to be a nurse." Like nothing against nurses, but she was like, "They're not." She goes, "Medicine has changed over the last few years, and you don't want to be doing." She's like, "You." She was asking me what I wanted to do specifically, and I was like, "I kind of want to like treat patients, like be a doctor, blah blah blah." She's like, "If you want to be a nurse, you're not going to be doing any of that." She's like, "You can do as uh, a lot, but you can't do that." And I was like, "All right." She's like, what about nurse practitioner? And I was like, all right. And then I like right into it. And for that, you have to be a nurse first. So you have to basically go to school to be a nurse. And some programs require you to actually work as a nurse before you get accepted. So it was a lot of like time, whatever. And I, my other aunt was like, you know, my cousin Mary Ellen, she's a PA. She was like, why don't you do that? And I was like, oh, I never even heard of that. It's like so weird. It's like I'm a like, lot she's of in my are. family. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And I looked it up and I went to the same school. This is like I made a decision I made like when I was 17. Like I went to school, I got accepted right into the program. It was accelerated okay. and I was um I just had to maintain grades and you know, as soon as I, you know, did all that, I was able to graduate and it's very difficult now if you don't do that to become a PA because it's very competitive and it's hard to get into the school. Um Everybody now, since COVID and all that stuff, everybody kind of want, wants to do PA and they want to be a PA. And, you know, nobody really wants to be medical doctors as much anymore. Yep. Um, well, I mean, because just from a logistics standpoint, yeah. if you can spend less money, yes. go to less schooling, mm -hmm. and the most of the liability of the doctor who signs it's off true. on the paperwork. Yeah. And also, if, you, if yeah. your goal is to truly Side just treat time, patients, yeah. what else? You well, know, like, why wouldn't it's you pick steal. that? Yeah, yeah. I, I would honestly I promote anybody to do it if you have an interest in it, go do it. Especially like they don't tell you this. If you're a doctor, you need to be very good in business because you the way you make your revenue is all billing. And if you don't know how to do certain things or whatever, or even like run a practice, it's all business. Right. 90% of it is business. I mean, like most of the doctors are not even unless they're, you know, employed somewhere or they work for a hospital or something and they're just an employee, they just do their job. Most of them make their money 
from their private practice and it's all just on a business end and they don't tell you that you don't know that going into it you're like oh i'm gonna you know come out of medical school i'm gonna like start you know out of residency i'm gonna start yeah. working blah 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 it's it's not like that anymore Pe- people don't realize how much malpractice insurance costs yeah people don't realize how every year the insurance companies never pay the doctor more their, oh, their no. contracts always shrink and shrink and shrink no. and the payout that the insurance yeah. companies are giving these doctors are less and less yeah you know um it's it, it's a shame and that's why you can see some hospitals some doctors mm-hmm. doing unnecessary tests and yeah. unnecessary procedures to yeah. get more money it's yeah. sad that it, it, it's come to that yeah but it's true to get more money you say yeah damn it's almost like being a, it's almost like being like a like a like a like a mechanic yeah. <laughs> let me fix your air filter <laughs> always never fails you go for an oil change oh you want to change your air filter too yeah. they bring it out they, they like make bring it look out every like, time. look at this I'm like I don't know what the hell that is it's like they have a pail of dust and they just dip it in and be like oh you, <laughs> you missed this everyone ready to eat uh, steak tacos yeah I'm right. so excited for these tacos just, I can't wait for these tacos you're listening to the oven podcast thanks for tuning in All right. All right, man. Those steak tacos were fucking something. How did everyone like those steak tacos? Good? Good. Yeah? All right. So we've had so many people with Pop Water come up to us with NYPB and they're like, we want to get into the healthy side of things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we do nano infusion, which is like a powder. Okay. Um, we also like infuse um, agave. So it's like a little substitute. But, you know, what are your thoughts on like the, like the fed diets, like a keto or a lion? I know, what's a do you know what a lion diet is? I've never the heard that. lion diet's like just a straight meat, right? Yeah, it's like meat, oh, like salt, paleo yeah. Or whatever. It's, it's just yeah. like it, it's just meat, up, just I, uh, ruminant animals. So like anything with a hoof, basically. <laughs> yeah, oh that God. meat and salt and water. I feel like a lot of people are doing that diet now. I tried it. It crushed my stomach. Yeah, I, I, I heard I the mean, first yeah, two weeks on your stomach. On your stomach is rough. I was in pain. I had to stop. I quit. I was like, you need that. a vegetable. I mean, like, I mean, the keto, I'm not a fan of the keto diet. I mean, like, even that diet, the lion diet. Uh, that's Why aren't you awful. a fan of the keto diet? Well, I mean, I think it's good. So I, my uncle and my aunt actually went on it and they lost like maybe like 30 pounds each and they did really well. I think it's a good like start. But like the way it's designed is that you s- replace any carbohydrate with fat. And then you, in order to meet your macros, you like start like doubling up on fat. And that's like, fat is good for you in a sense, but it's also really bad. So like long-term, it's not a good thing. Like it's good, I guess like short-term. But like, here's the thing too, like if you're more prone to like a fatty liver or something like that, and you don't get that checked and you, or you drink a lot of alcohol or something like that, that is going to, and you're on this for years, it's going to cause like long-term problems that you're not aware of it can cause cirrhosis stuff like that you have you have to be aware of what you're doing you can't just be like oh well i lost 20 pounds i feel great like mm-hmm. yeah you're like destroying your insides yeah like, is that good way yeah mm-hmm. like even with like the lion diet high protein is good but your brain needs glucose your brain needs sugar in order to function properly so if you're not getting those nutrients that you're supposed to you're not supplying your organs properly you're not supplying your body properly it has to be well balanced 
Right. Yeah. So I guess that, that also is another reason why it's important to you know, make sure you're seeing yeah. your doctor. You're letting yeah. them know, like, if you're trying some sort of restrictive diet, let them know what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, as long as you're going and getting your physicals, annual physical, mm. if you're feeling something out of the norm, you're going to get it checked out. In that case, if, you know, if you're looking at your numbers, your blood work, if everything's okay, is it okay to continue with a diet like that? Yeah, I would just like proceed with caution because anything can change, obviously. Right. Um, honestly, the diets are more like it's a calorie deficit. That's basically the bottom line of what it is. And that's mm-hmm. the way it works. I mean, diets don't work long term. They don't work really for anybody long term. They help you lose weight. And then that's losing weight is great. Listen, I'm okay with it. But to keep it off and to maintain it, it's a whole nother story, right? Different. And you have to completely change your entire lifestyle to yep. maintain that. You can't just be like, all right, well, you know, I'm gonna like eat a stick of butter because you know it fits my macros and then stick of butter. Yeah, exactly. What about intermittent fasting? How do you feel about that? I'm I'm okay with it because it's the same same concept. You're at a calorie deficit, so I mean, if it works for you, it works for you. I mean, if that's the way you lose weight and it works for you, works for your lifestyle, and you're able to stick to it, that's great. I mean, everybody's different, so. I have a buddy right now who's going to be watching this yeah. episode. Sano, his ears, his eyes are yeah. lighting up. So you're saying yeah. calorie, calorie deficit? deficit. Yeah, no, because I'm weight. I'm a big low carb guy. Yeah. Like I don't lose weight unless I go low carb. Yeah. He's like, bro, eat whatever you want, just yeah. eat less. Calorie deficit. Yeah. So there you go, Sano. <laughs> Shout out to you. <laughs> I want to jump back into the prescribing aspect. Yes. Of it. Um, I know a lot of people, especially nowadays, are weary where, you know, these clinicians or their doctors are getting this information mm-hmm. from. Why are they treating me with the medications that they're treating me with? Why are they recommending mm-hmm. this vaccine? So when it comes to the information that you as a prescriber mm-hmm. receive about cannabis, who is this coming from? So for New York State, it's uh, Office of Cannabis, cannabis Management. Um, they kind of like oversee everything. Like yeah, honestly, yeah. to be a uh, like licensed prescriber, you have to have, you have to go through a little bit of guidelines also you can't just like show up one day and be like i want to do it you have to if you're now um a mid-level practitioner uh pa nurse practitioner you need to uh, um have a supervising doctor who has a valid dea and is also a, a medical marijuana prescriber you yourself have to have a valid dea when you say valid dea you mean when it comes to a clinician that's a uh a pres- uh, you can prescribe a narcotics. To prescribe narcotics. Or controlled substances, I just rather. Want to yeah, yeah, yeah. That okay. Yes. So, and that's like and ske- any schedule. <laughs> yeah, that's scheduled medication. So, to be in good standing with it, you have to pay for it. You can't have any like nicks against you, basically. You can't have it taken away. Um, so, for, as a prescriber, you need to have that. And then, you need for New York State, you have to take like a two hour course. And then for New York State, you also have to take a, which is just like medical marijuana information. And then for New York State, you have to take a supplementary course, which is, I think, like an hour maybe. And it just goes through like New York guidelines. Um, so all that information comes directly from New York State and the Office of uh, Cannabis uh, Management. But they set the guidelines. They pick, they're allowed, they grant you access. Um, yep. You have to, uh, you know, some everything gets submitted on their website. So it's not like they're like the end all be all. Yeah. So like you can't just like here's a card. Like the way they get (laughs) the card is through them. And it's actually interesting, too, because recently, I think within the last couple of weeks. So I guess back in the day also within the last few weeks prior to, I guess, like the middle of March, if a patient got a 
certification to get medical marijuana. They received a temporary license. Um, and then from there, they get the other uh, official ones sent to them in the mail. Mm-hmm. And when, But the temporary one takes about seven to 10 days. Okay. So you once you get the temporary one, you can go to the dispensary. So before that, you really couldn't go. Now it's automatic from an email I received that if you get it, um, done in the office and you get certified, the temporary um, certi- certification goes directly to the dispensary. So a patient can go that oh, day really? to receive okay. it. Yeah. So either the patient can sign up for it, a caregiver, like if yep, they're yep. a minor or they're you know elderly, whatever, and they can't prescribe it themselves or take it themselves, or if you even want to grow it, you know you yep. can get authorization to do that also. Can you explain the caregiver a little bit more? So from my understanding, a caregiver can be really anybody. If you're under um, 18 years of age, you have to have a caregiver give it. Um, so minors, there are certain cases where medical marijuana is prescribed to minors, like yeah. epilepsy, um, stuff like that, where the minor themselves cannot pick it up. That's where the limitation is. Obviously, like a three-year-old who has a seizure disorder is not going to go to the dispensary and pick it up. Um, but their mother, their guardian, whoever is going to go pick it up for them. And that's where the caregiver signs up. I believe that you need the patient's information, the caregiver's information. Everybody has to show their license. Uh, they have to have a valid New York State license or they have to be living within New York State to obtain it and be the patient or the caregiver. And then you have basically full access. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. So, you know, how do they come up with these guidelines? You know, what kind of, you know, procedures do they have on their end? Where are they pulling this information from that they are then digesting, forming, and putting together to release to clinicians like yourself? I think it's just based on general research that they've done. I know that the dispensaries have pharmacists on staff who, okay. will, like, a patient comes in and they're supposed to get, like, medication interaction checks, stuff like that. They provide guidance for it. Um, I've, From what I understand, there's a lot of research and i think it's also like based on you for new york state to be a prescriber they have to follow a certain diagnosis also so there's a limitation on that you can't just be like i have high blood pressure and i need medical marijuana you have to have a certain diagnosis and whatever and they they're the ones who pick those diagnoses i believe it's based on you know where they find the benefit where the patient can find the benefit or you know it's been research where you can get either disease um, improvement or symptom improvement. It works in cancer. It helps actually can help with cancer um, treatment where it just destroys some cancer cells. It has been proven to destroy cancer cells. It also helps with the symptoms of cancer, obviously the nausea from chemotherapy. Also like patients after chemotherapy are you know, just uh, generally not feeling well. They don't have a good appetite or they're losing weight, stuff like yep, that. Yep. Um, it can help with... Speaking of chemotherapy, yeah. like just just to go back to what you said about mm-hmm. how the new legislation or the new new guidelines allow for, um, you know, no delay in that mm-hmm. temporary card yeah. when you're waiting to get your actual yeah. medical marijuana card. Yeah. You know, when you're dealing with uh, an acute illness yeah. um, or a symptom that's acute, meaning mm-hmm. you're experiencing it right now, you know, in seven days, that card's not going to help me. You know, if I can get that license yeah. or, or be able to, you know, have that relief mm-hmm. of my symptoms right now, like 
that's going to benefit yeah, a lot of people. Exactly. You know, that delay in care is crucial for exactly. a lot of symptoms. Especially for, like, diagnosis, like anxiety or insomnia, stuff like that, where it's used for, even, like, Parkinson's disease that it's used yep. for, um, ALS, stuff like that, where it gets progressively worse, and it gets progressively worse with time. So if there's any delay, if there's a delay with, you know, say you don't have the patient's right P.O. box or their address that you want it sent to, and there's right. a delay, or they have the wrong name or whatever, or they're not, you know, a, um, a resident, whatever, and there's any delay, the seven days can go become, you know, 30. It could be like uh, 60. It could become three months, and then a patient's left without treatment. So that's, you know, that's important that they yeah, that's, did that. That's, that's pretty helpful, honestly. And it's pretty interesting. It's pretty cool that they did that, to be fair. And, and you know, delay in care, I mean, it, it drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, for me, I hate copays. Okay. <laughs> hey, you're not alone. <laughs> I, I, I hate copays. You know, I know that the majority of offices, if you know, if whoever doesn't understand what a copay is, a copay is what you're responsible for paying yeah. each time you visit a doctor, mm -hmm. right? And you're responsible for paying that at the time of your visit. Yes. And it drives me crazy thinking that there might be children or people who are very sick mm -hmm. who are going to say to themselves, oh, I don't have that 50 bucks in my yeah. pocket today, so I'm not going to go to the doctor. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of offices will be like, okay, we'll bill you. You can you wait. Know? Yeah. But they're, they're, they don't, they're not obligated to do that. It's yeah. technically, if you're it's required to give It's illegal to do it. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, or waiving copays. Yeah. You know, they, they, when your provider waives a copay, mm -hmm. they then hear it from the insurance companies. Yeah. You know, because they're technically breaking contract with mm -hmm. the insurance company yeah. by not collecting that copay. It's true. You, as a provider, you can't be like, listen, we're going to waive your copay because you're my friend or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Legal, that's a legal thing that you have to pay. There is a way you can get around it if you do have like a hardship or something like that. You can file for a hardship, whatever. Um, it's it's difficult. There are limita There's limitations in medicine right now. It's really bad because the insurance company dictates what providers do. They dictate what the patient's able to get. If a patient has a deductible, that is a huge problem because the patient, 9 out of 10, has to meet that deductible to get any treatment coverage. Yeah. So all of that is coming out of their pocket. And people don't realize that. They think, oh, I have great insurance. It'll cover it. But then you're paying for most of it. And if you're a healthy person who doesn't use the insurance, that deductible is never getting met. And then December comes around and you like need an MRI or something, you're paying the $300 to yeah. get the MRI. It's they, crazy. People don't get it. And there's no, even like when I was in school, they don't tell you any of that stuff. They don't tell you As that. As they it, should. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, then these doctors are expected to run their business or run their practice yeah. with no knowledge of stuff like yes. this. Yeah. And that's why there's an art to medicine and there's an art to it because it's a business also. Because... You have to also handle things like before they become problematic. So like you don't want the patient to go into debt because you couldn't get their stuff approved and now they're behind, you know, you got their stuff approved some way, somehow, but now they're behind the eight ball. That's yep. not, you know, everybody has, you know, finances and stuff like that. And it's very difficult in, in the country to get stuff taken care of in a, in a good fashion even though we are paying a lot of money for insurance, yep. it doesn't always pay back, if that makes sense. No, definitely. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into these uh, churros with the cannoli dip, the infused cannoli dip. Yes, we are. Um, we'll be right back. You're listening to The Oven Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. All right, so... 
Chef Harry Poole at Jackson's in Comac kills it once again. Yeah. Another usual. great guest, Morgan. Thank you for having you me. <laughs> we mix it up this time. The guests that are enjoying this infused meal with us, they threw some questions in the oven. Instead of mine, was ridiculous questions. <laughs> I'm, I'm still asking you a ridiculous one. I want to. I want to. I'm not letting that one go. I'll I'm say scared. that. Thing. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, would you like me to pick or do you want to pick it up? Yeah, someone else back. <laughs> you want me to read it? I don't want to be responsible. I'll read it to you, too. Yeah. This is the first one. Be yeah, we'll do two. Uh, I feel like after, before, after I read the question, I'm going to be able to guess which table came yeah, from. Yeah, I wonder where it came from. Oh, this is... <clears throat> first edible experience. Tell us about it. Um... <laughs> When I was when I was in high school, this is insane. When I was in high school, this guy that we went to high school with, he was selling hot brownies like out in the open, and he put them in like Panera bags, like so it was like Panera bread. And I bought one, I think for like twenty dollars. I was like, yeah, I'll try it. And then like I was by myself and I was eating it, and I was like, oh, this is nothing. So then I decided to like go on a drive. Biggest mistake of my life. I went driving. I was listening to like this is when the Kid Cudi album came out. Oh, you were behind. Yeah, that was driving. This is when the Kid Cudi album came out, and it was like Pursuit of Happiness. It was like, I was like, I gotta go home. I gotta drive home. Time to go. It was a lot. I want you guys to know she's sitting over here in between uh, courses and she's like, yeah, we just, you know, Mike is on, but we'll cut this out. And she's over here telling us that she was driving high. So I'm <laughs> Are we airing this or not? <laughs> the I was like 16, I think. It was, it was a lot. <laughs> what was your first edible experience? Oh, man. We were sitting in Suggs' basement. It's not as good as this. That was great. Um, <laughs> What remember Mike? I don't want to say his last name because I don't want him even watching the show. He used to make these these it was called space cakes, and you know back then no one knew what the hell they were putting in it. Like it was they weren't dosed right. You know they were telling a story the other day like they, they had what they thought was eighty milligrams like how to go home like like that was like we ate two space cakes and I could I was actually a part of Suggs's couch like I couldn't get I couldn't get up for a drink I couldn't get up to pee. And you like that commercial. <laughs> I was literally melting into the couch. And, and I actually hated edibles after that, like for a really, really long time. And then this started. <laughs> you found your calling. <laughs> you know me. Dose, right? Edibles are the way to go. I prefer edibles over smoking. Definitely. Um, but I misdosed myself one time. I told you. Uh, this is not my first edible experience. I really don't remember my first edible experience. But It's a good thing. Yeah. Got a pro over here. <laughs> <laughs> a few months ago when I was on my, uh, you know, my journey into cannabis, uh, I got a little <laughs> reckless one night. I used to, uh, we used to have these gummies. They were like 60 milligrams total. Oh my God. So I would have half before bed. And like, if I really want to be knocked out and wake up good for work, I'd be fine. So yeah. it'd be like 30 milligrams. I got to the last gummy. I was like, I'm really going to leave half in there. And I thought it was a good idea. <laughs> I thought it was a good idea to eat the whole thing. Oh man, when I was when I went to bed, I literally <laughs> felt like my bed was angled down and I was sliding off. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? I was terrified. Oh my god. I was terrified. That's an awful feeling. Yeah. No, it, just like there's no escape. There's no escape. <laughs> number two. Question number two. <laughs> I don't even want to answer that How one. How long have you guys been besties? 
How cute. That's actually, that, and who, her I'm just today. <laughs> was that you? That was you? How long have you guys been besties? Oh, no. Who asked that? This is, uh, whoever said it, great you handwriting. That? Great oh, handwriting. That was a good, great <laughs> handwriting. Great handwriting. Great question. Oh, man. Uh, so, God who, said, who, who said he's my best friend? <laughs> 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 I don't even like him. <laughs> he's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm forced here. Um, my, my, my mom pays, pays him to hang out with me still. <laughs> if, if it wasn't for your brother, you'd have no friends. So. <laughs> um, I would say just like seventh grade, eighth grade. No, that's a lie. Sixth grade. <laughs> Sixth grade. He made fun of me heavy in sixth grade. I was a little chubby in sixth grade. So, so now my best friends are my uh, they're, they're my bullies growing up. How crazy is that? Well, I, I helped them lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> so I got one last question for you. I thought like we should do another one. If we get another one, we'll do one more. I thought like we should do one more. Because yeah. this, 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 this wasn't for, this wasn't for her. Bunch. And then I'm, and then I'm, still, uh, I'm still asking you. Goodbye. Ah. <laughs> uh, should you masturbate with THC topical lotion? I know Billy asked that. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, Mario's actually keeping that for next round. Yeah. So. We're all just discussing advancements on your cod butter. Oh We're going to start God. using cream. No, I was going to use the lotion and let you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let you get a taste. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man, this is this is a good one. Uh, so this is a fuck kill marry. Uh, this is a good one. I like this. This is by Geo. Oh go, he said go. <laughs> 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 the edibles are kicking. We have in. a little bit of a reading problem. <laughs> All right, so fuck marry kill. New York pop butter, vodka soda, or coke. <laughs> What kind of coke? Yeah, what kind of coke are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Oh, okay. The fentanyl kind. Got it. All right. Kill coke because we don't know what that is. Marry a vodka soda. We're going to fuck New York Pop Butter. Let's go. Let's go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's go What's going on? <laughs> no, I was going to say, like, if let's say if you have celiac disease, right? Mm -hmm. If your partner eats gluten and you eat their ass, does that count as gluten free? <laughs> He goes, does that count as gluten free? I don't know. Try to find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we'll end up sitting here laughing all night. But it's got to come to an end. Another great night at Jackson's and Comac. Chef Harry Poole always kills it. Yep. Thank you for the hospitality. Thank you, Morgan. You've been a great guest. Thank Can't you. thank you enough. And I uh, hope you join us again sometime. Yeah. Thank you, guys. And thank, thank you, everyone, for coming. Seriously, this is awesome. We want to thank Chef Harry Poole and his team over at Jackson's Restaurant in Comac, New York, for another amazing infused meal. Make sure you check out our YouTube page, click the subscribe button, and join us next time, because there's always an open seat for you at the oven. <laughs>